This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Nina of Decrim NY, a coalition of organizations and individuals with experience in the sex trade slash commercial sex industry, policy building, community organizing, and advocacy work. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Nina, could you tell us about how Decrim NY got started? So, people who trade sex have been organizing against policing criminalization for many, many decades um, since Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Um, But this particular iteration, I think, was born partially out of the reaction to SESTA-FOSTA, which was a piece of federal anti-trafficking legislation that passed last year that shut down a lot of sites that people were working on and put people in a more economically precarious position and exposed people to violence and exploitation. We started talking in the summer of last year, which is a couple months after SESTA-FOSTA passed. We put together a team of people who have experiences in the sex trade, ranging from choice to circumstance to coercion, and thought about what it would look like to really build a broad-based coalition of people across the movements for LGBTQ liberation, criminal justice reform, racial justice, immigrant and migrant rights, etc., to decriminalize and decarcerate the sex trades in New York City and state. And could you give us some background on this cause? How and why it is that sex work is criminalized in the first place? A lot of the original laws targeting people for trading sex are based in xenophobia and racism, um, specifically controlling black women's bodies and also the bodies of Asian migrant women. Um, When you look at the sex trade around the world, the United States is one of the few countries that has as strict criminalization as we do. And it really is rooted in fears of who is considered pure. Um, When you look at the populations of people who actually trade sex, which is by and large um, women of color, LGBTQ people, especially trans people, and immigrant and migrants, especially undocumented people, um, it's people who use sex work to survive because they are locked out of formal economies. And so it's easy to criminalize those populations because um, these populations are really marginalized and have very little voice um, in traditional like advocacy outlets, whether that be like lobbying um, or in media. So what is the history of that in New York State and city in particular? You know, they're like, they're interesting little tidbits. So, for example, New York State is the only state in the nation to explicitly legislate a rape shield exemption against sex workers. Uh, Rape shield is supposed to protect our rape victims' um, sexual history from being used as evidence against them in court. Um, But New York State is the only state where if you have a prostitution record um, in the last three years, that can be used against you. 
So the history of that comes from racism. It was about policing black women um, because black women were seen as sex workers, whether that was true or not, they were profiled as such. And it was a way to really separate like the purity of white women from um, black women who are often engaged in street economies. Well, in New York City, over the last couple of years, we've seen a drop in prostitution-related arrests. But um, last year, for the first time, we saw an increase in loitering for the purposes of prostitution arrests. Um, and that's because more people are trading sex on the streets after SESTA-FOSTA. Since people are no longer able to work online as safely, they um, still have to survive. So are tra- trading sex outdoors more than they used to. It, it, it's also hard... It, You know, arrest numbers around prostitution don't give you a good picture of what's happening with the criminalization of people who trade sex. Uh, Because a lot of people who trade sex are uh, not actually brought in for charges related to prostitution. They get drug charges, they get pet larceny charges, and also police will continuously harass and commit violence against people who trade sex and coerce them. Um, into giving them sexual favors so they're not arrested. So arrests don't really speak to who's actually experiencing criminalization as a result of doing sex work. Um, we know that like young LGBTQ people um, trade sex at seven to eight times the rate of um, cis heterosexual young people in New York City. And a lot of them don't have prostitution charges and don't get picked up um, in prostitution cases, but they have other charges like drug charges, trespassing charges, loitering charges. But the reason they're being targeted is because police see them outdoors at night and want to target sex workers or young people trading sex. What exactly does it mean to decriminalize sex work given that arrests alone on sex work charges aren't the predominant way that sex workers are criminalized. Yeah. So to be clear, like policing is a tremendous source of violence. It's just that you can't count what happens in policing purely through arrests. So we want to take away any pretext for police to interact with people who trade sex, period, whether they identify as a sex worker, whether they experience exploitation in our trafficking survivors. Um, So decriminalization just means removing criminal penalties associated with the consensual sexual exchange between adults 18 and over. So that includes both the sale and purchase of sex. And we also want to figure out a way to make sure um, sex workers working together for safety, whether they're doing like safety calls for each other, um, doing screening for each other, and loved ones such as children who depend on sex workers and their income don't get caught up in some of the current promoting statutes as they currently are. And to be really clear, we're not touching any of the trafficking statutes. As a community, we care more about sex trafficking than anyone else because sex workers are most vulnerable to it, right? Most people who are trafficked were already trading sex. Um, and so we think that decriminalization will remove some of the fear and mistrust between um, authorities and healthcare and people who trade sex so that people who experience violence, exploitation and trafficking can report it. And as you said, SESTA-FOSTA purported to be about preventing sex trafficking. And when we do talk about sex work in politics, and decriminalization, one of the first arguments you'll get from opponents of decriminalization is that it'll increase sex trafficking. What is the line between sex work 
and sex trafficking. So we say people trade sex by choice, circumstance, and coercion. Choice means you love your job. You would do sex work even if you had a lot of other options. Um, and then co- circumstance, which is the broadest category and is where most people are at, is that you're trading sex to meet economic needs, whether that's healthcare, um, housing, childcare. A lot of trans people trade sex because they um, are discriminated against in other jobs. A lot of disabled people trade sex because they can't do like a nine to five standing up type job. Um, and then the last group is people trading sex under coercion. So the legal definition of trafficking is that someone like a third party is compelling you to trade sex by force, fraud, or coercion. Um, and if you don't have like a third party in your life who's compelling you to trade sex, but you don't want to be trading sex, like that sucks. We need to get people out of those situations, but that's not trafficking. That's trading sex. That's basically doing survival sex work. You're trading sex to survive. Um, I think like the debate in the United States there's unfortunately a lot of conflation between sex work and trafficking and very little understanding of people um, who trade sex and why they trade sex. So, you know, the vast majority of people are trading sex to meet economic needs and that does not get discussed enough. It's often pitting like, um, you know, like white privileged sex workers against trafficking survivors. And that's just really not what this is about. It's about making sure the most economically vulnerable people um, get their needs met so they can be safe in their work and exit if they want to. I will also say that um, the largest groups that work on trafficking, so in the U.S., that's Freedom Network USA, which is the largest coalition of anti-trafficking service providers. And then internationally, it's the Global Alliance Against Trafficking Women. Both recommend and advocate for decriminalization of sex work as a best practice to target trafficking. Um, because as long as sex work is criminalized, people are afraid to come forward to health um, service providers and to authorities about the violence and exploitation that they're experiencing. And there's just like tremendous abuse that police are perpetuating against people and criminal records make it really hard to exit, which of course makes you more vulnerable to trafficking as well. Hey everyone, I'm Nathan. And I'm Dylan. And as you know, Millennial Politics is totally independent and volunteer run. That means every podcast you listen to, every article you read, and every tweet you see is created by a dedicated team of volunteers. It also means that we can say what we want to say when we want to say it, but we rely on listeners just like you to support our work. We hope you'll consider supporting us by subscribing at patreon.com slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. And if you subscribe at the ambassador level or more, we'll send you a free copy of How Our Government Really Works Despite What They Say. It's an award-winning book about the intricacies of American government, and you'll get to join our exclusive ambassador Slack channel and get to hang out with us all day, every day. I pretty much live there, so if that appeals to you, come join us. And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer Greg Stevens and our producers Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia-Brown. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N politics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. And right now we're seeing supposed feminist groups like 
now NYC oppose decrim NY. Why are they trying to frame their opposition in feminist uh, terms? And what exactly does that mean? I think that the fact that they are down with transphobia says it all. Their feminism is not inclusive of everyone. It is only for a very specific group of people. Our coalition's leadership is 90% plus people of color and um, has a lot of trans leadership. And nearly half of it is um, people who identify as trafficking survivors. And it shows in our political ideology. Um, I think like now is... Now NYC, I can't speak for now as a whole, but now NYC, CATW, um, Object UK, which is one that had the transphobic banner saying we say no to transgenderism. I think those groups are like stuck in um, thinking around, they're still interested in using the criminal justice system to police women's bodies and especially um, the bodies of people that they don't represent. So like trans women, um, women of color and immigrants and migrants. What does it mean to really have a coalition of these groups and be trying to work to adjust this criminal justice system that does exist to criminalize certain bodies? I think the reason the issue of sex work plays out so well in a broad-based coalition is because it really is an issue that impacts so many people. Um, not only people who trade sex, but also their loved ones, their friends, and their partners, and people who are profiled as trading sex. Getting more groups aligned with the vision to protect the rights and safety of everyone trading sex is part of the work itself for a movement that doesn't have as much mainstream credibility as, like, you know, the larger criminal justice reform movement in the nation. It's it's great to be in conversation with those groups and begin to build solidarity with um, other movements and groups that have more people power right now. And what exactly is the legislative aspect of Decrim NY right now? Yeah, so we have two bills that we really want to pass the session and believe we can pass the session because they have a lot of political support. They've been introduced multiple times in the last couple of years, and one of them has actually already passed the assembly. And um, just didn't pass the Senate because it used to be Republican, but it's now Democrat. So the first bill is to repeal loitering for the purposes of prostitution. This is a statute that criminalizes people for just wearing a short skirt and heels standing on a street corner or repeatedly waving at cars. Um, Legal Aid has actually filed a constitutional suit against the statute uh, because it profiles and targets and harasses trans women of color so much. Um, so we think we can pass out the session. The second bill is to expand vacature for trafficking survivors. Currently, you can get any prostitution-related charges vacated off your record if you were sex trafficked. But we know that trafficking survivors have a ton of other criminal uh, charges, um, including things like uh, drugs, uh, trespass, um, pettit larceny. Um, and so we want to get those charges vacated as well if they come from result of being trafficked. We think we can pass those two bills um, this session and make a difference in people's lives immediately. We're also working with Senators Julia Salazar, Jessica Ramos, and Assemblymember Richard Gottfried to uh, propose a decriminalization and decarceration bill that would remove criminal penalties for adults um, be 
um, so both the sex workers and the clients, and then also um, figure out a way to make sure like the loved ones of sex workers and also sex workers working together for safety aren't criminalized. So that's something that we're still thinking about and thinking through and definitely taking a lot of um, leadership and direction from the trafficking survivors in our coalition. Um, and then we also want to find a way to build in more um, protections around labor rights and against violence for people who trade sex as well. And what do you think the chances of this legislation passing are? I Well, I think to be doing social justice movement work, you have to be an eternal optimist. So I'm very optimistic. I don't think it'll pass this year. We will probably introduce it in a month or so after the budget. And we're all prepared for a five, 10 year fight. I'll just put it that way. And what is that fight going to look like? Um, that fight just is looks like any other movement for equality and justice. So we don't have money. What we have is people. We need to build so much people power that we force people in authority positions to listen to us. So we need to get to the point where we're turning out thousands to rallies, bringing up 500 people to Albany for a big lobby day, um, doing huge banner drops, a lot of press, just traditional organizing, um, getting people to really understand like you're a regular neighbor that uh, people trade sex for economic reasons. People deserve to have human rights and labor rights and be safe in their work um, if they're trading sex. And decriminalization is the best strategy to fight violence and exploitation in an industry that has always existed and will never go away. So let's figure out a way to make sure people are safe. And what can our listeners do to help support the movement? People can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DecrimNY. Um, we take donations through our website. We encourage people to sign up for our mailing list at DecrimNY.org where they'll hear about public actions that we're planning on doing. Talk to your friends, family, um, social networks about why decriminalization matters. Uh, read articles by Melissa Gira Grant and Emma Whitford, who are some of the best reporters on this beat. Um, and just get everyone around you educated. Um, if you're hearing this now and you're interested in this work, you're pretty early on this movement. So you have a real opportunity to make a difference just by talking to other people about it. And do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? This is a movement led by people who have been marginalized and silenced for a really long time. We know what we need to be safe in our work and exit if we want to. The ask is for people to listen to us instead of people who don't have experience trading sex and don't know what they're talking about. And the ask is decriminalization. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Thank you. Of course. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you want to keep up to date with the Millennial Politics Podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and tune into the Progressive Radio Network every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern to hear our newest episode. Thanks for listening.